Welcome to Graduate Compass, the podcast for graduates who haven't quite figured out what their next step is going to be. Trace, welcome to the uh, Graduate Compass podcast. And for people who might be listening who are interested in doing medicine, I think many of them might think, oh, if you don't do medicine straight after school, then there's no way you can do medicine. There's actually various different routes into doing medicine. And I suppose your story is a perfect example of that. So could you tell us a little bit about what you originally went to university to study and how you ended up back in university studying medicine? Hi, Keen. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to chat to you. Yeah, so I started off doing biomedical sciences um, in Maynooth University in Ireland. Um, after that, I did a PhD for four years um, and travelled around to America and all over the all over the world with that. Um, after that, I then worked for three and a half years um, in with the Department of Health here in Ireland. And it's only then that I went back and did graduate entry medicine um, in the Royal College of Surgeons here um, in Ireland. So, like you said, um, a bit of a roundabout route. Um, but yes, so I've entered the graduate entry program here. So there's, you know, definitely a good option for people who aren't sure um, that they want to do medicine straight after school. So we'll talk a little bit about the, you know, what you're studying now and how you're getting on with it in a little while. But I'm just curious, when you originally went to college uh, or university, were, were you even contemplating medicine? Was it even on your radar? Yeah, so I really didn't have a very clear path um, laid out before me when I was in school. So I really liked biology, I really liked chemistry when I was in school, um, but that's not to say I liked them any more than any of my other subjects. Um, I, you know, had it, I suppose, in the list of options. Um, and it was often said that, you know, maybe you should do medicine when I had different you know, discussions about future career. Um, but it was mainly based on the points system. So that's the, the system we use here in Ireland. And I really did not want to go and pursue something just based on points and based on a score. Um, I really wanted to do something that um, I felt passionate about and, you know, something for the right reasons. And so it really wasn't on my radar um, when I was 18. Um, and I chose to pursue science and pursue um, biomedical science in Maynooth University. So, yeah, it really wasn't something that I had, you know, a passion for since I was a child at all. So for anyone who's listening who might not know what a biomedical science degree is, uh, can you give us a little bit about it, a bit of uh, information or a bit of an insight of what that would entail and why you were drawn to do that particular uh, subject? Yes, yeah, so biomedical science is um, quite a broad degree. You start off um, akin to general science. So you start doing biology, chemistry, maths, um, and then more focused on biology and biomedical sciences. So they're kind of your four subjects that you start off in first year. And I suppose I was drawn to that because I didn't really know that I loved one more than the other at that point. Um, it was a nice kind of broad degree for me. Um, my I suppose my passion was to just go to university really um, and those are the subjects that you know uh, suited me well so I, I was drawn to I suppose the broadness of it um, and then as the degree progressed you became more and more focused so I suppose I majored in biomedical science and so you had a mix of doing different lab placements and um, having lectures tutorials um, and again mainly focused on biomedical science so it kind of started um, the love of 
the human body and the processes that happen and I suppose just that general movement towards biology and uh, again towards sciences that um that I started to foster really through university so it was again a very broad degree um, and it, I suppose it, it drew me because of that. And when you finished that degree then where was your focus in terms of a career? So I remember um, in my final year um, really still not having a clue what to do um, so with the science degree, lots of my friends and, uh, you know, lots of my friends were doing masters. Some of them were pursuing um, teaching degrees. Some of them were traveling and um, some people were going to work in big pharmaceutical companies. And just none of that really um, drew me. Um, I had begin begin to thought about it um, at the beginning of fourth year. So at that time, um, again, I really didn't have a, a very clear path ahead um, and it was only really through my fourth year and doing a fourth year project in a research lab um, that I started to discover my love of research and uh, biomedical research and my fourth year project was for about 16 weeks at the time but I really just loved the topic I loved um, being in the lab I loved trying to find out new information and um, learning the techniques in the lab and it was because of that fourth year project then that I applied to do a PhD in that lab um, for the next four years. So I was lucky to get funding for the PhD and I started it straight away in the May of um, my final year. So in a way I was very lucky that um, I suppose I came across a topic that I was interested in and a supervisor that was willing to supervise me and funding um, along the way. But yeah, that's kind of how I started my journey into research. And out of curiosity, because, you know, uh, as uh, as you'll know, and, and perhaps people listening will know as well, I don't know, but the there are so many different ways of, of getting into a PhD, there's various different routes. Was it something that you that was advertised or was it something that you'd you kind of approached your supervisor about getting the getting the um I suppose the, the funding or what what way did it work for you? Yes yeah, so you um you're right there are lots of different ways and I think at that time I didn't even know the various different ways of starting a PhD um so I approached my PhD supervisor about potentially staying on in the lab in the lab and um, at the time, there were no opportunities to stay on in the lab. So there were no positions um, advertised because the main way of being recruited to a PhD project is through advertisements, like a job advertisement, really, um, where the supervisor of a lab will have funding available and they'll make positions available and people will apply to them and they'll get hired and you could do your PhD that way. However, um, that was not an option in the lab at the time so when I approached the supervisor about maybe writing a grant and that would mean writing um, a proposal for the research I would do and then applying to get funding for that specific piece of work um, and that's what we did so it was a bit of a roundabout way I suppose at the time um, and I remember writing that proposal in my final year and you know obviously with a lot of help from my supervisor um, you know we were successful in the application and um, I remember just being so excited about the prospect of this project for four years and, you know, what we could do with the research. So um, that was the way that I started mine. And I just want to kind of interject slightly before I go to the next question for anyone who might be listening and is a bit confused about 
you know why you didn't do a master's because there's a misconception out there that you have to do a master's to be able to do a PhD you obviously don't um, it's it seems to be kind of a, a myth that has come out some PhD programs need it some don't it depends what you're doing just wanted to throw that out there for anyone who might be sitting here going did I miss some part of the conversation you absolutely didn't it's just a, a kind of a very common misconception in um, uh, for students and okay so you do the four years PhD and now I, I Again, for anyone listening, I'm going to put a bit of context because because I, I do a bit of work with PhD students and they, they, they seem to go through a bit of phase of I love this subject to, oh, I hate this. This is the worst thing I've ever done to the euphoria of finishing it. And it was the best thing they've ever went through. Did you go through that? Um, I'm smiling as you're saying that. Um, yes, that sounds very familiar. Um, I guess my my lows were not as low, I suppose, as some people have. Um, I was very lucky in that I did love the subject I was doing. It was in lung cancer research um, and I was in a great lab and I, you know, I was able to get uh, additional funding to travel to the States and to, you know, pursue more research over there. So, yes, I did have those moments that you mentioned where you are struggling um, and you're, you know, failing every day because that's what research is um, you know it was repetitive at times and um, sometimes you didn't know which way to turn you know it it was difficult um, for those I suppose the middle couple of years um, but then I suppose I was very lucky that I you know had the resilience to keep going um, and you know the project was you know was the project helped me in that way you know I had um, I had lots to do and there was lots to be found out. So um, in a way, I was lucky that way. Uh, so I really enjoyed the PhD. Honestly, when I think back, um, I would do it again in a heartbeat, as difficult as it was. And I often think um, about that time that I learned more about myself than the, the subject matter, um, because it is um, a journey of perseverance, of dedication of you know continuing to move forward even when you feel as if you're not making much progress and when you look back over the year or the in the end the four years you really have amassed a huge amount of work um, and it really taught me a lesson in patience and um, that way so yeah I suppose it has its ups and downs but on the on the all um, it was it was a very happy time and um, traveling to conferences all over the world as well at the time um, is definitely something that helped. I, I can absolutely imagine that that would ease the burden in some way, shape or form. And I'm, I'm really curious to, as well, just because you mentioned the word resilience and before, um, well, the episode hasn't gone out yet, uh, but it will be by the time this episode is out. Um, we're going to be doing an episode on um, resilience. We're talking to a coach and I'm just very interested to know because of you, you, you because you've used the word. What did you uh, do to kind of improve your resilience or what did you do to get through those kind of like I know you've you said already that the the, the, the work helps because you love the work but I'm just wondering do you have any tips for anyone listening who's trying to build up their own resilience? Yes I think um, for me um, during the PhD acknowledging the fact that it's difficult um, at the time is I suppose part of I suppose building the resilience. I definitely found that there was no point pretending it was easy um, or pretending things were working when they weren't. Um, and the nature of the work that I did was experiments, you know, different controls, different treatments, hours and hours of testing results and um, and also not knowing what would happen at the end. You know, you're hoping for different results and 
more often than not, you don't get that result. Or in fact, you've made a mistake three days ago that now you're realizing. So I suppose the tip for resilience for me was just being patient with it and not taking it all on personally and accepting the process as the process and just trusting it and knowing that there's no space for perfection in research you know you have to just keep moving one day at a time and if everything fails today you just pick it up right back if you can the next day um, and just go at a slower pace if you need Um, and also I think um, asking for help when you need it was is part of resilience for me and it's very difficult to ask for help Um, and I think that there are times in PhD or I suppose any time in your career um, it's it's a mark of resilience I suppose when you can ask for help and say look this is not working for me at the minute I need another way can someone just give me a different perspective on this um, and I suppose trying to work through whatever problem you're facing at them at that time. Not only is that great research advice I think that's just great life advice in general so uh, definitely one one for the the real eclipse in uh, when we do kind of a the, be- the best of the podcast is that's definitely in there. So tell tell us when when you you, you get your doctorate. Congratulations! You 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 achieve this huge milestone. You know the 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 peak of academia. It's it and I I'd imagine it's a bit like climbing Mount Everest. You you've got to the summit, and now you're going to going what now? Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, that what next question? Um, I remember people started asking, and what are you going to do after the PhD? Maybe a year before I finished the thing. Um, and it's through no fault of anybody. You know, it's a natural question. Um, and it, I suppose, again, it speaks to people's careers generally. You know, what's the next step? What are you going to do after you finish this thing? Um, so again, at the time, I I was quite aware that I didn't want to pursue research for the rest of my life. Um, I didn't want to do a postdoc. So that's the postdoctoral position that usually um, after PhD one would pursue and I felt as if I needed more I suppose human connection um, and human interaction um, in in my career and the life of of, um, a researcher um, I just knew wasn't going to be the fit for me and at the time again I thought about pursuing maybe pharmaceutical work or working in a, a bigger lab uh, and again I just I didn't feel um, as though I wanted that and a big part of what happened next was really just needing some time to I suppose come down from the PhD and um, at the end when you're writing up and I'm sure that if there's people listening who've done what a PhD they'll understand that, that you are fatigued at the end and um, you're fatigued from just the, you know the penultimate um, endings towards the end of the PhD there's lots of endings um, and then you're not really sure where to go at the end and um, for, for a lot of people so yeah I needed some I suppose time and space um, and so I applied for a job in health research funding um, and so this was a two-year program and it was uh, it was in Dublin and so it was local um, and it was still in the area that I was interested in so it was still in kind of clinical research funding but it was the different side of research um, and it was I suppose a space for me to get some time um, and to explore you know a different side of research and um, that I thought I would be interested in. So what 
sorry, I, I was I, the reason I was pausing there. I was really engaged in the conversation, and I realized I hadn't actually turned my microphone back on. I was just like totally focused on listening to you, so it caught, caught me out of it. Um, just out of curiosity, so when you, when you how different was that to the kind of day to day work of, of of the PhD? Because the PhD was, you know, I know it's studying, but you were working every single day. You know, you you had this funding behind you. How different a lifestyle was that then to actually be in an office or in a in an environment where you uh, not an office or a lab or wherever you were kind of doing like research on a on a, a job rather than than a um you know do, uh, rather than the PhD if that makes sense yeah um it was very different and I think that's what I mean when I say um what I needed next was a job uh, was it was this job um because I really wanted some structure I suppose and um, I knew that I didn't want to do a postdoc and I didn't I didn't want to go into pharmaceutical or, or work in a lab really um, anymore. So this was very different. So this was a desk based job um, working with the Department of Health. Um, it was in essence a nine to five, Monday to Friday. And that was very different to what I had been doing. So I had been doing lots of um, bench experiments and working in the lab all hours, weekends, whenever, whenever experiments needed to be done. Um, and then lots of solo work really just at the laptop writing up um, you know rewriting re-editing um, and working through the end of the PhD so it, this was completely different to that and that's what I needed um, and that's what I wanted at the end of the PhD I was very interested still in research and becoming more interested in clinical research and um, I really wanted to see the other side of research I suppose before I said goodbye <laughs> altogether you know I I I'll never um, I'll never not be involved in research, but I knew that I didn't want to be at the cold face. I knew that there was something more here for me. Um, and that's kind of why I went down the health research funding side after my PhD. So that would kind of suggest that, you know, after this kind of two year period where you're doing that, that job or you got that contract that you're starting to now think, I need something more and you kind of I suppose that's what you're alluding to really and it, it, how clear at this point was it medicine in that kind of periphery of your vision or were you still looking at other options? Yeah so it started to become more clear at this point and um, throughout my PhD it didn't cross my mind um, and I was very dedicated and happy in that job and I did treat it like a job you know as well and um, but yeah, at the end of it, and I suppose towards this position, um, it started to become more clear in my mind that I suppose I had been kind of checking off all of the things around medicine, um, subconsciously probably. Um, you know, I went into, you know, studying more about biology and then about research and then about, I suppose, clinical research and working more with people. Um, and in the background, um, I was always, I suppose, circling um you know, maybe doing medicine in in the end, and this, this position, um, it was a two year internship, and so um, I rotated between the different departments in the company, and and I learned a lot. And again, a lot of it's all based around health research and betterment of people's health and funding health research. And again, it just really became crystal clear for me, um, that I had to pursue medicine, um, as I was in this in the job, um, just from a personal level it just it just started to come into focus that actually what I needed to be fulfilled and what I needed for my career was to to go and do graduate entry medicine and to 
actually just pursue it. And I, I just want to, again, interject just for anyone who's listening who, you know, regardless of whether you're interested in medicine or any other subject, that that, that clarity, you know, we're talking several years, we're talking a four-year undergraduate degree, a four-year PhD, two years of, 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 of doing this this research job. It took a, a while, and I'm not, I don't mean that as a criticism, I mean, it's it just, it takes a while sometimes to go through those options and, as you said, tick off the different boxes and know that this is what you want. Yes, completely. And I think actually when I talk about my career to this point, it sounds very linear. It sounds as if I did my degree straight away, did my PhD, you know, straight away into a job and and then knew I needed and wanted to do medicine. However, at the time, and I suppose I'd stress this for anyone listening who is considering medicine or who might be thinking about it, um, that, you know, it does take time for the thought process to come clear and again it will come clear at the time it's right if you give it some space um, and I think for me it it wasn't a straight path um, when I was 18 or 17 or even 23 you know I started medicine when I was 28 and so at the time through you know at, and so throughout all of that time through all of my education and research and working life um, yeah it just became more and more clear and I suppose I realized that um that voice in my head to do medicine wasn't going to go away and that I didn't want to look back in a further 20 years and regret not giving it a chance um and so that was I suppose part of um, the realization for me that I you know I really needed to do this and it was time for me to actually listen to that little voice that was growing louder by the year um and it was time for me to to just jump in before we go to the jumping in bit, I just want to go back because obviously the medicine thing was somewhere in the vicinity from a fairly early point, but it just wasn't, you know, as crystal clear as it was when you were 28. Do you think you would have lasted in doing the, doing the course you're doing now? Do you think you would have lasted if you'd went in when you were 18? It's something I think about um, often, I suppose, and it's something I thought about probably in the earlier years of the course. Um, and for me personally, I think now is the time when I needed to do it. Um, I would have been doing it for all the wrong reasons if I had done it straight from school. And I think I would be a very different person. Um, I like the fact that I have experience in health research and I like the fact that I've got experience in the funding world and you know working with clinical trials and funding clinical trials and you know a kind of a wealth of working life and I suppose just general life years behind me going into medicine now um, and I, I don't know if I can answer that honestly if I would have survived um, I'm sure I would have but I guess I would have been very different um, and for me this path um, is the one that I have um, and I'm, I'm glad of it and I'm glad that I I suppose gave myself the time to just figure it out along the way um, and this is kind of where I've ended up now. Makes total sense and when you made that decision right you know it's becoming more and more clear I'm gonna I think I'm gonna do this I might do this I'm actually probably gonna do this or I am gonna do this when you got to that point what was what were the steps did you know that you could go in and do kind of like a shorter slightly shorter course or did you had you, had you done the research already where 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 were you at that point I suppose in your in your in your process yeah so it's um definitely a process is a good way of describing it so I suppose um I started to dip my toe in the water throughout the process I and you know as I became 
more sure um, and more trusting, I suppose, of my, my intuition about it. And um, I started to look it up and I started to, you know, explore different options. And I had heard that the graduate entry medicine program existed. So I was aware of it on the periphery, but I didn't really know the steps um, to get in. And it was really only when I decided or, you know, when I really leaned into the fact that I wanted to do this, that I went wholeheartedly into the process of um, educating myself about how to enter the programme. Um, so there are two main options in Ireland. There is the graduate entry option, which is the one that I have done. And that is where you do a entry exam called a GAMSAT exam. And it's the same for the UK and Ireland and Australia, I believe. Um, so it's an entry exam. You can have any degree under the sun to do the exam and you get into the medical program. And so with that, I have people in my class who've done music, who've done Irish, who've worked as engineers for years, who are pilots, who have degrees in everything and anything. And everybody just did this entrance exam and got a position on the course. I think the UK do the exam plus an interview, but the same premise exists of any degree. Um, the other option is um, a mature entry pathway, and that's if you're over the age of 23, you can do the degree that way. Um, so I know in Ireland, um, the course is one year longer. So it's a five year course instead of a three year course. They also have an entrance exam and that's the HPAT exam and they have an interview process there and then you can enter the program. So as I began to become more sure of, you know, this path that I wanted to pursue and um, I obviously learned all about the different ways of getting in. Um, and yeah, that was when I decided that the, I would try the GAMSAT exam, see how I got on and then um, then go from there really. Like I suppose that brings us, you know, more or less to today. You know, we we I know you've obviously you're in the third year of of what is a four year degree, I believe. Um, and so you you've, you know, you're getting towards the end of it now. Um, it's obvious from speaking to you that you that it was the right decision for you. I don't even have to ask that question because it it just comes across you know the 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 energy and your passion and I suppose you you know. The logic that you probably wouldn't have lasted three years doing medicine if you didn't love it and have that 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 love for it. So I'm curious, looking back and keeping the kind of the the, the listenership in mind here, who may not entirely have their own direction, what advice would you give them looking back, and what kind of tips or hints or any kind of suggestions for anyone who's listening, regardless of, of career, that, to help kind of them figure out their own path? Would you give? I think regardless of what where you're at even or you know what passions you may or may not have I think my main advice is to be patient with yourself and to really trust the voice that you have deep down and to I suppose don't question it to the point where it goes away (laughs) you know if you really keep asking the questions keep asking the questions and that voice remains you know that dedication to whatever the cause is remains I think that that's when you know you can trust it you know if you keep I know that I did try to explain you know perhaps I don't want to do medicine you know do I want to pursue this career I have already established myself in this in the career that I had you know and I loved I loved my job and I I loved that world of health research funding as well but but still I had that voice that I couldn't get rid of no matter how many times and how many different excuses I threw at it it just wasn't going away 
Um, and so I suppose in whatever career you're doing, just to really tune into that constant voice that you might have. Um, and I suppose if you don't have that voice, that's OK, too. And it's not always very clear for everybody. And I guess you can just keep living your life in a way that you won't regret it. And, um, you know, if you keep trying to live every day, being honest with yourself, you know, doing the thing that makes you happy. Um, you're never going to look back and regret what you've done or regret the job you're in or, or aren't in. Um, so I suppose that would be what I would say to, to anybody who's kind of in the midst of trying to work it out. And having said, you know, the fact that I am in the programme now, I still don't have it all figured out, you know. Who knows where I'll be when I graduate and who knows what will happen in 10 years, um, 20 years, 30 years in this career. But um, I suppose I'm just going day by day and knowing that right now, I suppose I'm, headed in a direction that I'm happy with and I suppose that's really all I can ask for. Just to reiterate that you're never too old and it's never too late so you know just give yourself the space um, and trust yourself. If you're interested in learning more about graduate entry medicine, I do recommend the first port of call is if you're still a student or a recent graduate to go back to your university and ask them if they can have a conversation with you with maybe with a career advisor and get uh, some more information. If you're not, then what you could do is you could look up the uh, medical schools that are local to you and approach them and ask to speak to one of their recruitment officers and just to see what is involved. Some graduate entry medicine courses require you to have a science degree others do not so definitely worth having a conversation either with your older current university or perhaps with a university that you would be interested in doing medicine with in the future in the meantime if you can help the show grow as always it is massively appreciated facebook twitter tiktok it's all at graduate compass or tell your friends about it and share an episode would also be hugely appreciated in the meantime i'm kim sullivan thanks for listening Thank you for listening to this episode of Graduate Compass. Remember, if there is a degree subject or specific industry you would like to be featured on any future episodes, then we would love to hear from you and know what you are trying to find out. Our email is info at graduatecompass.ie.